life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident, rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down, and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Season 2, Episode 13, Establishing Ties. Hello, everyone. I hope each of you is well today. I want to acknowledge the many of you who have so kindly written to me to share how the blink of an eye story has conjured up memories in your own life, some of which are not pleasant from the past. But to know you are now making sense of them is very moving. And others of you have told me about how you are looking back on your memories that you hadn't really paused long enough to think about. But that blink of an eye is having you realize and reconsider. You have no idea how much this moves my heart. We are all supporting each other on our trauma healing journeys. And it is the power of looking back that allows us to do this. Yes, our ability as humans to look back is a resource. Resourcing, or at least what I call resourcing, is an energetic way we can support our bodies through the trauma healing journey. I will discuss resourcing when we meet again for the trauma healing learning related to this episode 13 establishing ties. And we can further explore it in later trauma healing learnings too. Please keep writing to me at louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com and checking out our Instagram at blinkofaneyepod. I've thought a lot this last year about how precious life is and how each of our lives is so unique. Isn't it amazing to ponder that about yourself and about each of your family members, your kids, your siblings, your friends? No one is exactly the same. And yet we have so much in common. And we need each other. It's really a mystery of life with all the rich diversity of our lives that we somehow manage to find each other and our common humanity. I have experienced that immensely this first year of Blink of an Eye podcast as you write me and text me and we listen in together. I think we are establishing ties. (laughs) Like the fox explained to the little prince, Do you know that story, Le Petit Prince? The Little Prince. 
that famous and delightful children's book by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. If you remember it, it's about a little boy who shares with us his life on his asteroid planet, which is no bigger than a house that he inhabits with one rose, and his exploratory travels across the universe where he meets a fox. Here is one of my favorite passages. The fox had just told the little prince that the little prince was taming him. The little prince said to the fox, a bit confused, I am looking for friends. What does that mean, tame? It's an act too often neglected, said the fox. It means to establish ties. Just that. To me, you are still nothing more than a little boy who is just like a hundred thousand other little boys, and I have no need of you. And you, on your part, have no need of me. To you, I am nothing more than a fox, like a hundred thousand other foxes. But if you tame me, then we shall need each other. To me, you will be unique in all the world. To you, I shall be unique in all the world. I just love that. I loved it as a little girl, and I love it to this day. And when I think about establishing ties, I think that is what we are doing with Blink of an Eye week after week. To all of you, you are unique in all the world to me. And we need each other, like the fox said. <laughs> it's sweet. You know what else about that tender story? The little prince and the fox spent time gazing up at the stars together. And as you and I look back in our lives, or look up, as the case might be, into the night sky, and we think of those we love who are looking at the same stars and the happy feeling it gives us, or we gaze at the night sky and all those stars and we think of those who have passed who have given us such beautiful memories because we established ties. That really brings a smile, doesn't it? And a corresponding sense of calm. Those ties, those memories... They're a resource. Like the fox said to the little prince, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Resources. You know, 
those things we rely upon to stay sustained, right? Like good memories. But even our painful memories can be a resource, believe it or not. After all, they are often painful because we have established ties. It's ironic, isn't it? But we want to work with painful memories of past traumatic events in ways that allow us to return to them, but this time to pass through them, not around them, but through them. This will allow us to metabolize those losses and memories. And when we do, they won't grip us as violently, nor will they leave old adhesions and blockages to our path of healing. We can open the channels of energy that flow throughout our bodies in ways that allow us to be more open to what is now and to what is possible. I wonder what you think about this. Oh yes, we want to be free, to plant new seeds and walk down new garden paths with grace and wisdom and to live again. That's what the divine wants of all of us, to live fully. Welcome to episode 13, Establishing Ties. I should also tell you that I was writing this episode again, filling in the gap of time back in 2015 when I did not post a family and friends update. I relied heavily on hundreds of pages of text messages over these few days. You are about to hear some of them. And you know, as I was writing, I realized in a most profound way how many people in my life had tamed me, for I had tamed them. Maybe you can think of people in your life too, whom you have tamed, or those who have tamed you. They all helped me along the way to stay uplifted, to feel supported when I was very low, and to metabolize the painful and stressful memories so I could live again fully and be here today. Okay, settle in. Settle your spirit. Anticipate something meaningful for yourself or for someone you love whom you can talk to about what came up for you that may have been painful but was memorable. Something you have now metabolized or something you are still working on digesting. Here we go. Back to August 2015. Life can change in the blink of an eye. It was August 25th, Tuesday, 
day 21. I slid one of the toothpicks of Anapasto carefully stacked on the little wooden skewer into my mouth that someone had kindly dropped off on a beautiful platter at the Cape May house probably last night. But I didn't even notice as I walked straight through the kitchen to our bedroom around 2 a.m. and hit the pillow hard. It was now 6 a.m. and it tasted good. I reached for another as I grabbed my pocketbook and headed back to the car. Summer was almost over. Most everybody with school-aged kids had returned back for school. But we were still in Cape May. As I walked outside, I glanced around our yard and even some bathing suits, once wet. Someone had probably worn the day of Archer's accident or maybe the day before, still hung on the clothesline, very dried out. It was past time to go home. But the cold salami, olives, and mozzarella cheese did taste delicious. I was surprisingly hungry. I dashed back in and grabbed two more. I recognized the platter as belonging to my sister-in-law, Sue Smith. This week was her annual vacation at the beach with her older girls and new grandchild. She had had a little family get-together last night so we could see the baby, but I had missed it. As I walked back outside to my car, I texted Sue. Sorry I missed being there. I just woke up and ate skewered delicious antipasto from your house. Yummy. Thank you, Sue, for being so loving. I'm headed to Baltimore now to meet Pete to check out rehabs for Archer. I'll be back later. Please say a prayer. We had been in Atlantic City in the trauma ICU for three weeks now. But I didn't want to leave to drive back to Baltimore. I didn't want to leave Archer, but the hospital was really pressing us for an answer on where Archer would be transferred. I didn't know how they expected us to give them an answer when we are here in New Jersey, but we live three hours away. So yesterday I said, okay, I'll go to Baltimore. I'll get you an answer. I had begun to call around. But as I described Archer's condition, no one said they could take him. I didn't understand. It made me sick to my stomach. The hospital said we had to tell them where he was going for rehab. I wanted Billy to come with me. But he said he couldn't do it and told me I should go and decide. He told me he was afraid he'd make the wrong decision. It was as if he were paralyzed. Oh, God, please help us. Please don't let anything else happen to Archer while I'm away. I fished in my pocketbook for my car keys 
but paused as I looked up to see a cute young couple walking by. They were walking with a newborn baby, and I was struck by the impact of children in my life, of family in my life. I felt this rush like I wanted to tell everyone I loved them. I did. I needed them so much. I texted Sue again. I know you must love being a Grammy. I can't wait myself. When I found this text in the text archive, I literally remembered exactly where I was standing in our crushed oyster shell driveway with the early morning August sun already warm on my back as I watched that young couple in their shorts and cute baseball caps strolling slowly, quietly talking, seemingly without a care in the world on our quiet country lane with the locusts beginning and everything so perfect as they pushed a very young baby in a stroller, sipping their morning coffee. They smiled sweetly at me when they caught me watching them. I remember that moment. They were so happy. I finished my text to Sue. The only deep grief I have about that is that Archer may never know. And that pains me to the core. He may never know the loving arms of a woman or feel the softness of a woman he loves. So please, please never stop praying for full recovery, whatever that may be. That's what it was like these days. I found myself swept into high and low emotional currents, like the ocean tide. They surprised me as they seemed to come out of nothingness as they crashed in. But they also rolled out. It was just like that. I went to squeeze open the car door handle and thought maybe it was just my body, knowing I was about to do another long car ride so it was allowing itself to spill over. I don't know, but I felt the hot tears coming before I even opened the door. It seemed that ever since Archer's accident, when I felt especially vulnerable, especially when I was leaving the hospital to drive back or leaving the Cape May house to drive up, or maybe it was just in long, quiet times, my mind would play tricks on me and I would find myself tripping into worst case scenario thinking. I don't know how else to describe it. Maybe you have done the same thing. 
I would get flashes of thoughts that Arthur would not be able to have children. And it was like I was having a heart attack. I can't describe the anguish that would come over me. And it was familiar, eerily familiar. I would not have realized it, but for early trauma work I had done. But the truth of it was that I had done this before to myself when I realized as a very little girl that maybe my daddy was never coming back from that plane crash. My God, Louise, Archer is only 17, and you have no idea about whether or not he could have a family. Stop it. He's going to recover. But my heart was already burning and my knees buckling. I leaned on the car handle to catch myself. Oh, Lord, please help me. That's what I mean. I wanted to curb these thoughts, but it was hard. That couple left such an indelible memory for me. Years later, when I shared this experience with my acupuncturist and how off balance it made me, she told me I was catastrophizing. (laughs) Catastrophizing. It was so helpful to name what I had been doing. I wish I had known that word back then. Maybe it will help you too. When I opened the car door to slide in, the trapped hot air practically knocked me back. I forgot how hot August was as I lived in that cold room of archers and pants and a blanket. I regained myself. I drove over the Cape May Bridge, leaving the island, to drive back up the Garden State Parkway, headed this time to Maryland. I had plans to make follow-up phone calls to all the people and things that needed to be taken care of. I felt the pressure mounting as we neared the end of August. But instead, I looked in my rearview mirror at exit zero and just burst into tears. Please, Lord, please help Archer to live. Let him have a full life. The past weekend had been filled with Atlanticare people asking me about my choice for rehabilitation, for where Archer would be transferred. I had called yesterday to set up some meetings with facilities in our hometown. It really did hit me hard. Life outside the ICU. I wanted Archer to live so much, and I could imagine him walking. And yet, I was totally unprepared for the planning and steps we would need to take after 
pacemaker surgery. It felt like the hospital was not helping us in any way. I actually felt sort of helpless. And I was a little mad. Why couldn't they at least recommend some places or give me some names and numbers to call? Instead, I spent hours yesterday on the phone calling places. And only two said they worked with quadriplegics. God, I had to say the word quadriplegic many times. I learned that even outside the ICU, most facilities did not have experience with quadriplegics. The rejection calls were educating me in a way and were sobering. But you know, I didn't really understand how Archer could go to rehabilitation when he was on a ventilator and all those tubes. I wanted someone to please explain that to me. I didn't understand what kind of a place out there could help us take care of Archer at our house. But then how would we get him to rehab? Jesus, Lord, I hadn't even thought about that. Archer will walk again. But I couldn't see how to get from a hospital bed in Atlantic Care to wherever we were going. How do we navigate this? All Billy wanted was for Archer to come home. But I didn't see that Archer would be able to come home right now. Oh, my Lord. We had no idea how to care for him. Oh, my God, God. And I didn't understand how the hospital could even release him in the condition he was in. How can they do that? And how are they going to transport him? When I asked that hospital lady handling the insurance paperwork, she said it was up to us to arrange his transport. I didn't even know what that meant. We had been in the trauma ICU for three weeks going on four. Why had I not been thinking about this before? Oh my gosh, I looked up and almost missed my turn. Oh my God, mile marker 10. Cape May Courthouse left onto Route 9. That came up so fast. The parkway was so drastically changed in the last months with the sleek new construction and configuration. I hardly recognized the new exits. It dawned on me. That was exactly what had happened to me the day I got the call. I had missed my regular exit. I don't even know what exit I took, but I made it. 
the image of that beautiful young couple and their baby strolling down our street was still lingering in my mind. It was so beautiful. They were so beautiful. So I turned my thoughts to imagine Archer walking with his family. I could see it. But my heart felt like it had a hole in it that it might not ever come to pass. And then I had this feeling of a stabbing in my eyes, a stinging loss as the tears trickled down again. God, I was in that catastrophizing loop again. Stop it, Louise. You are creating your own suffering. I told myself to reimagine Archer walking with his family, with joy. I knew the mind was a strong indicator. My grams had always said, Mind over matter, when she was talking about age and growing old. She said, if you don't mind, it don't matter. Well, I tried, but I wasn't able to believe it this time. It was hard. Archer was in such bad shape. I knew it. It was also confirmed by the doctor's use of language when they spoke about him, as if his paralysis were not going to change. Jesus, why am I leaving him now? I felt the hot rush in my chest and shoulders, and I realized I was angry as I drove. I turned right onto Route 47, and I picked up my phone to make some calls, but I had no service. Right. I was in that part of southern New Jersey that was a combination of rural farmland bordered by thick pine barrens, so dense the cellular service didn't penetrate. Okay, fine, I said to myself. I need time to think about things anyway, as my thoughts returned to Archer to Archer at Atlantic Care, to Archer's care at Atlantic Care. I had discovered the use of Notepad on my phone and how I could use the voice recording to make notes. It was a game changer for me. It was around this time, during my drives back and forth from the hospital, between crying and the quiet, of the early morning or late night that I began making spontaneous voice notes, which I came to rely upon for reconstructing this story. Here are some of the voice notes I made during this drive to Baltimore. Pray for a creative miracle. God fashioned Archer perfectly in my He has the power to recreate him perfectly. I am so comforted by the Memorare. It's such a beautiful prayer of love and humility and intercession. 
and I am so comforted by all those who are praying the Hail Mary. It is such a simple and powerful plea. The Blessed Mother Mary really does listen. Of course she does. She's a mother. I know you know the simple prayer. It is of such incredible strength to me to know we say it together for Archer and for each other. Just like we need our mothers. Our mothers need us. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I feel her close in both the hour of my death, which are the critical times when we almost lost Archer, and also the times when I feel like I am dying a million little deaths. We all suffer little deaths. Mine are just more acute now and so tangible. I know God and Mary are with me when my thinking and agony take over. And I know they are with me when I rejoice again, when my heart soars with what are now very large steps for Archer, a pacemaker, a smile, Now the tubes are out of his mouth and nose. And as one of the cleaning ladies said as she stopped me as I came onto my shift, I saw his teeth today. Those little miracles. And all those little deaths. The toothpaste cap always left off the tube. That I wish he'd leave off again. And again and again, the little remnant of chin whiskers in the outdoor shower ledge by the shower he was once able to hold. All the beautiful pieces of art that Archer has drawn, designed, painted, markered, pen and inked that I don't even have because he gives them away. God bless him. All those artistic ideas he had in his head for his friends' surfboards. I guess they'll just be on hold. Right, Lord? They're just on hold. They're not gone. I had to pay attention for a minute as I merged onto Route 55, but I was back to my thinking and voicing my notes aloud. Rejoicing when he asked 
for a blanket. First time in 21 days as his temperature has run hot and we've kept him uncovered for the most part in his 46 to 50 degree room. That he felt he wanted a blanket was huge to me. I asked if he wanted a hospital white blanket that I am usually mummified in. And he nodded, no. Now that he can see his room, his eyes traveled and I followed them. He wanted the very large, soft orange Orioles blanket that was a gift. I said to him, okay, you want the Orioles blanket? He nodded affirmatively and then mouthed something else. I got close as usual to see if I could make it out without the use of the ABC board. Archer asked, would you also tuck me in? And he smiled. It was another little gift. Here is my six foot two inch boy who has no physical feelings, shoulders down, who knew the comfort of being tucked in. I wonder if he knew the comfort it gave me to tuck him in. I still love to be tucked in. What is it about being tucked in that is so comforting? It was a joy, especially on the heels of a very difficult and good day. Oh, why are they making me leave you, Archer? I don't want to, my darling, but I have to. We have to find a good place for you. I promise I will find the best. Please say a prayer for me, Arch. I need it. Mile marker 43. When I see the unbearable anguish on his face that he experiences with some nurses and techs who are not as kind or gentle when they rotate Archer, he gets this flicker of wildness in his eyes when I tell him they'll reposition him soon. He mouths to me, not the rough ones. The nurses and techs not as gracious and loving. And when I wasn't there a day or two ago, Archer told me they were rough. Exit 49 to Elmer. Maybe I'll see Dutch today, or at least tonight. I hope his first day of practice went well yesterday. I already miss him. It's funny because when I knew he was at camp, my feelings were different. He was at camp having fun. But it hurt knowing he was now in Baltimore and I was not. 
I couldn't wait to see him. I took a right onto Route 40. Thank you, friends and good, loving, caring moms. Yes, please watch out for our dear Dutch. I am worried about him. We had called him immediately, but I realized he had no way of knowing the extent. Frankly, we didn't either, as every day unfolds and something more devastating than I have ever imagined seems to happen. And something more possible at the same time. Please, say a family rosary. Great minds think alike, and great hearts beat together. Sending love. Danny, I want you to know how much Archer cherished your letter. He really beamed in inward joy, and he studied your artwork and smiled. I noted the octopus you drew on the surfboard in your drawing like Archer's octopus, and I asked Arch if he thought he'd design surfboards again. He nodded affirmatively. It felt very natural. And your reference to croquet inspired a possibility Mr. Sumpton I floated to the head of his upper school who visited over the weekend. A croquet tournament at McDonough School. I warned her that not only could it be very gentleman and bow tie, very archer-like, as he likes to dress up, we all know. But that warning, it can also be played wickedly competitive, a.k.a. his dear friend Danny G's athletic double ball hard whack that I have personally suffered. I think they're going to put something together and you'll be able to come because you're local. Thank you. XO. Oh, Mary Ellen, thank you again for being there to catch me that Sunday when they read the petition for Archer. Thank you, Archer's friends, for coming saying the Our Father with the boys before they went into Archer's room to visit. I hope they felt God's love, as I knew it was going to be rough seeing Archer. And it was. Thank you, laundry lady, who said she didn't believe so much in God, but knows as she enters our room that God is here and she said a little prayer for our boy and she said it felt good and she asked if she could come back oh boy it seemed I could get flooded easily by small little things that were tender or sweet like that. I passed the farms and fields and small towns. I picked up my phone this time to make a call. I had been in conversation with folks at Dutch's school 
and with the school nurse, Kathy Lobo, and the school counselor, Bernadette Street. Kathy had become a friend over the years, and I was also fond of Bernadette, who had attended one of my conflict transformation skills trainings. Those two women were part of the backbone of the school administration, and I knew they were my go-tos to make sure Dutch did okay. When he started back to school, basically without us, if we were forced to stay at Atlanticare much longer. I had left a message a couple days ago for both of them asking if I could have something written in the school's weekly bulletin that all the families would see. Since I imagined many knew, but most did not. I knew the school would need my permission to tell families, but I also knew as a mediator that the other families getting the truth from a trusted source would be one of the best ways to stop the gossip train in its tracks and to get the right support to the person who would need it most. Dutch. At least that's the way I felt about it. They had kindly texted me a draft to review yesterday, but I hadn't had a chance to get back to them yet. They had also graciously asked me if there was any friend whom Dutch would want to be with in his homeroom. That was a first in all the 20 years we had had children at the cathedral school that I was ever given that prerogative. Cathedral school is fairly strict and by the book. As I drove, I voice texted both of them. Thank you, Bernadette. We think it would be best if he were with Johnny Melanson. They are very close, both in friendship and spiritually. Here's a tad revised version for the bulletin, and I'm very grateful for the draft. Message to the School of the Cathedral of Mary, our Queen, from the Sempt family. As many of you may know, our 17-year-old son, Archer, had an ocean swimming accident August 5th. He broke his neck and is paralyzed from the shoulders down. Archer's doctors have advised us that his recovery may be a very long lifetime process. We are praying for a miracle. Your love support, and prayers mean the world to us. Please continue to keep us in your prayers and pray especially to the Blessed Mother Mary. Dutch will return to school on Monday, August 31st. He will also need the wonderful support of the amazing School of the Cathedral of Mary, our Queen community. We will post updated information regarding Archer's progress on a website, www.beingrelational.com backslash Archer Sempt Updates. God bless us all. Kathy, can you please put in our milk order, white whole milk? We owe you, of course, XO.
over five years later, I had the opportunity to interview Kathy Lobo, who is still the school nurse at the School of the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Baltimore. We talked about that bulletin and school support. Here's an excerpt of that interview. So it was you and Bernadette who came into the picture again. Right. Um, You know, Bernadette Street, of course, our school counselor. Yes. Whom I had reached out to. Yes. Saying, may I put something in the school bulletin? Right. Right. Do you remember any of that? Yes. Yes, I do. I do. Because she and I work very closely together. And in fact, her office is right next to mine. So we had very long discussions about, you know, how we could get into the community and get support. And so there was a lot of discussion, a lot of times about Archer and Dutch, especially. Um, And Dutch's class, he had a great class of kids. Um, I don't ever like to say I have a favorite class, but (laughs) I will admit, and I will never, this will never hold up in a court of law, but I will admit that that was one of my favorite classes because there were just so many kids and they were so close. They were so close and And, so diverse. Yes. I mean, everybody would tease Dutch even when he was little with all of his friends over that our house looked like the UN, the United Nations. And they were just really good. They were just a good group of kids who would always just step up to the plate if you needed them to. And they truly just adored each other. And they really did support him like he needed to be supported during that time. Yeah, I I believe that. Um, oh my gosh, there are so many things I, I want to ask you about that because, um, you know, starting with the letter, just to let them know what had happened. And, and so I was, I was actually um, sending back a, a, oh yeah, an edited version because she told me to personalize it on, on this day that I'm actually writing about right now. And I just, I just knew it wasn't, it wasn't sterile. It wasn't corporate. It, it wasn't, um, dumped down, you know, just to, to take out the part that that's really difficult. She just allowed it a, a, a paragraph. And I'm, I was so grateful for that. She's amazing with that kind of stuff. I mean, she's obviously a trained professional, but she's also very much her devotion to this school and to her faith. So she felt very strongly about communicating to the, to our community, you know, both honestly, but also protecting and keeping in mind that this is a, just a very painful situation for you all, but she really, really wanted to do the best she could to, um, you know, to get the word out there and, and cause it was, you know, to her, this, you know, this is one of the kids that was her kids at school and, yeah, and it was just heartbreaking for everybody. So, well, she really did all of those things and I felt very joined with the um, experience that it's, be- it is better just to be truthful 
Right. And um, and then there's also that that protecting piece around, but it was around support. The essential truth is one of the best ways to ensure support. I passed the police station at the base of the Delaware Memorial Bridge and crossed into the state of Delaware. You know, when I said, hey, Siri, Cathedral School, to bring up the text phone number for Bernadette, another note popped up on my phone notes that I had written a few days before to Kathy and Bernadette. Thank you, friends, for being our Dutch and Cathedral liaisons. You are so wonderful. Have I told you lately that I love you? I guess, like the fox would say to the little prince, I had been tamed. Or maybe I was in the process of being tamed. So many friends had established ties. And we were the beneficiary of those ties in every way. I looked up to see Exit 1, Newark, only an hour to go. I felt incredibly grateful to have an understanding about conflict and conflict transformation and my just enough understanding that trauma is not just an event, but an experience that impacts an entire system of people, not to mention the system of the body. I made the turn into the ramp and thought of that young couple sipping coffee, strolling their baby, and I could feel the burning in my chest and the bridge of my nose tight as my eyes filled again with water and began to sting. How much can a heart continue to break, Lord? I imagine you might understand this if you've lost a child or lost anyone so precious too soon, too early. Maybe someone you needed to feel complete. Your raison d'etre, as my great aunt Tucci used to say. I think it's because I was so armored up and in battle mode so often and more often as the days wore on that the smallest kindness, a reminder of Archer before the accident, or brain tripping for what I expected the future to hold but would not happen, leached into the cracks of my body armor and made me feel heartburn, like a corrosive acid eroding all my expectations of how I define happiness. Was I unraveling? It was more like these awarenesses were unwinding me. Maybe I should be grateful. I passed the invisible state line into Maryland.
I turned my attention to thinking about meeting Pete for the appointments we had scheduled at Carnan Hospital for Veterans, both outpatient and inpatient for Archer, and at Kennedy Krieger Institute at Johns Hopkins, also both inpatient and outpatient. What if we don't make the right decision to do what was best to get Archer back to walking someday? I couldn't believe no one at Atlanticare was able to help me much at all about rehab. And I felt a little lost. I mean, I got it. It was not part of what they did in the ICU. But shouldn't they know something? I mean, where do people go after ICU? Billy and I were flailing. And my marriage was getting strained. I knew Billy wanted him home in Baltimore. I did too. But I didn't know if Baltimore was best for Archer. But I wanted to stay by Archer's side. And Dutch's. I couldn't be away from Dutch. I prayed Kernan would be a good place. Or Kennedy Krieger. I received a text from my Cape May friend, Kathy Giannoscoli. Archer is resting quietly. I just read about 25 cards from friends and family. Hardly made a dent in the well wishes. He really likes the mail, so it seems. He very sweetly would correct my butchering of the last names of the people with a little Archer-esque twinkle in his eye. Thank you, God, for the huge improvement visible in his condition. Thank you, God, for such good friends. I felt it in my body that Archer would be okay while I was away. She texted me again. Also, Luis came in and gave a very passionate Spanglish blessing over Archer. It was pretty great. Very heartfelt and sweet. Kept calling him Senor. Luis was one of the guys Archer worked with in the kitchen at the beach club. He too had driven a long way. I know that visit meant a lot to Archer. It was good of Luis to come. My phone pinged again. It was Kathy again. I got it, like we couldn't end our connection. So much to tell. She texted, Seeing Pete and Paula's loving care for Archer was one of the honors of my life. I am humbled by their grace. You done good, lady. Wow. I was humbled by her telling me this. Oh, how essential good friends are. I turned into Northern Parkway. I didn't know what it would look like when we returned to Baltimore. Would we be taking Archer to rehab every day? Or finding a place where he could live overnight for a couple weeks to get him stabilized? 
but I didn't want him alone in the night at any place. I was getting clearer and clearer that whatever happened, I wanted to be at Archer's side. I wanted him to live and have a good life. And I wanted to be his advocate. I was home. I parked in front of our house and looked around. I couldn't believe it. Came home to the most beautifully manicured yard. Five weeks of no gardening, no weed pulling, no vine pulling by me. Please tell me who all the angels are who worked on our yard. It really was like a feeling I had never had before. Like a gift of the magnitude I had never imagined receiving before. Everything was in order. My home. I loved our home so much. And someone had taken care of it. It was more beautiful than when I take care of it. I don't know if you have ever been away from your home for a long time and if in the summer it can get neglected and the grass can grow a foot or more high and the weeds might take over. Well, everything grows so fast at my house. I was always weeding. But it was beautiful. I stood there gazing at the sight and I just wept. I couldn't believe my eyes. How could people be so kind? I walked up our front walk to wait for Pete, and there was Dutch at the door. I didn't understand. Pete had brought him home Sunday to stay with another cathedral family. He had soccer practices yesterday and today. Why was he home? But I was so happy to see him. Dutch met me with his arms outstretched, like he was waiting for me. I fell into his arms this time, and we just held each other. He had gotten so tall at camp. It was just simply too much. We sat down on the stoop together, side by side, and just sat together in quiet, looking at the yard. Coming home after being gone so long, or after so much tragedy had happened, or a combination of both, I guess it might be how soldiers feel when they've been away at war and return home to a home they love with people they love. And it all looks and feels so stable and safe and domestic. But it was overwhelming. 
I learned Dutch had told the family he'd be fine spending the night by himself. I don't know what they were thinking, but he is convincing because we lived within walking distance of the soccer fields. But I told Dutch that that was not acceptable, and he pleaded with me that it was all right. It wasn't. He was just 13. I was not going to let him stay by himself. I told him he was coming back to Cape May with me after my tours and after his practices. I think he was relieved. Pete pulled up in his truck. He had driven back to college to start classes, but had come back. I hopped in, and we headed to our first tour, Kernan Hospital on Baltimore's west side. As we drove, I asked him to please be my extra ears and eyes and to ask questions I might forget to ask. We arrived for our appointment. Kernan Hospital was in the process of being acquired by the University of Maryland Medical System, and some signs said Kernan, while others said University of Maryland Rehabilitation and Orthopedic Institute. It was very austere and military-looking as we crossed the parking lot. The folks who met us, though, were warm and lovely and knew of Archer and our family. I don't know how, but they did. I liked them right away. And I wanted to like them because I knew from my phone calls that our options were slim and that we really needed another hospital with ICU-type ability to care for Archer. We were looking for a rehabilitation place, but I knew we were really looking for a lateral ICU transfer. Atlanticare was out of options and I wondered what Kernan could do for Archer. As we walked through the facility, I saw the stark gym and equipment, also very military-like, and I was shown the small, very spartan, rather dark hospital rooms where the injured men, or in our case, injured boy, would live. I couldn't bear it. I asked if there were a cot or a place for me to stay with Archer. But there was none. It just wasn't part of their setup. The men rehabbing there appeared strong and tough as I watched them pumping large iron weights even though they were missing an arm or a leg. I felt they would know what they were doing for tough rehab all right. But I found it overwhelmingly lonely. And I really just couldn't bear to think of dropping Archer off there and only coming to visit. What if he coded in the night like he does? I was also aware that I had to position Archer's situation in a way that they would actually want to take him. I felt a stinging in my heart as we continued walking back 
through the gym, knowing we may have to suck it up and be grateful. They then issued Pete and me into a room for an interview where we learned Archer would not be able to come in the condition he was in because they were not set up for acute ICU care, but rather as a rehab facility and hospital. I felt this stab like I cannot tell you. Total rejection. It might as well have been annihilation. They said they had followed the Archer blog and the head medical director smiled so kindly and said he would pray for Archer. He also said he hoped we would consider bringing Archer back there in the future for rehabilitation if he turned the corner. Did he say if or when? I honestly couldn't tell you because my stomach was in my brain. I left them with a couple Archer Strong green wristbands, which they graciously accepted and even put on right away. I felt they were good people. As Pete and I walked to the parking lot, I could feel I had entered a new world outside of ICU. And I was learning fast. Our options were very limited. And we had only one more place in all of the Baltimore metropolitan area of almost 3 million people with over 20 hospitals and two major nationally acclaimed medical systems and numerous rehabilitation facilities a medical mecca, but only one was left that said they had the capacity to treat a high-level quadriplegic. Where do we go? I guess I was silent as we walked a ways to get to the truck. Petey asked, You okay, Mom? I was upset and angry. I wanted to curse that ventilator and curse all the bacteria in Archer's lungs and curse the peat pressure settings that wouldn't let the holes in his lungs seal and heal. I wanted to curse it all. But as Pete looked at me with his kind face, I felt my shoulders drop. And my eyes start to water and sting. I'm fine. I lied. And I tried to smile. But my sweet oldest son knew I was not. He put his arm around me and helped me into the truck. Our next and only appointment left was at Kennedy Krieger Hospital. Pete and I drove in silence. When we arrived downtown Baltimore, 
we navigated our way into a nearby multi-level, multiple-ramped parking garage. We parked, got out of the truck, and headed for an elevator off the second floor of a large concrete urban parking lot. I glanced at my phone and had 22 new texts from friends. As we waited for the elevator doors to open, I began to open the texts. Folks were abuzz about the green Archer Strong Pray for Archer wristbands. Various messages relayed that everyone was wearing them. Moms and dads, businessmen and teachers. But they said that tons of kids were wearing them. From really little kids to bigger kids. Some said they were becoming conversation openers for middle schoolers and high school kids in the first days of school. I shared the text with Pete and in his usual thoughtful, insightful way, he shook his head and commented, it's not that surprising, mom. Our family has five children who have lots of friends at Cathedral and have gone to five different high schools and played sports at five different schools and have played rec, club, and travel sports with a lot of families. I guess he was right. The children had friends across Baltimore from maybe 10 to 12 different high schools and multiple Catholic and other grade schools. And their parents were our friends, or at least we had established ties. He was right. The web holding our family together was very large and very strong. All those wristbands did was just connect people who were already connected. You know what I mean? I mean, some may not have realized it, but now they just had an outward way of showing it. I felt comforted in that moment that kids were beginning to talk about what happened to Archer Sempt. For each text from a mom or dad telling me about the unexpected outcome of their children wearing the Archer Strong wristbands, I texted back, please tell the kids we are all interconnected and they can pray for Archer and also pray for anything they need as well because we are all connected. I copied and pasted this message a number of times. The elevator bell finally dinged and the doors opened. We went down and entered the first floor lobby of the Kennedy Krieger outpatient clinic. It was a state-of-the-art building, but we were told we were at the wrong place. They directed us back outside and over a street and down a block. We walked down the cracked concrete city sidewalk in the August heat and entered the Kennedy Krieger inpatient area. It was the polar opposite of where we had just been, and it was also the complete opposite of Kernan. It was painted bright yellow and looked cheery, as we stepped off the elevator to the second floor, but it felt like a daycare center for babies and toddlers 
as we walked around the floor and our tour guide pointed out various features of the care. Pete and I both walked in silence. My heart was dropping. Each hospital room had either a crib or a tiny child's bed. Archer was six foot two inches. I asked if they cared for teenagers, and our guide said they did, but I didn't see any. As we walked into their inpatient rehab room, it was one small room, like a living room, with colorful balls and styrofoam pool noodles neatly stacked in a bin, and a couple small tables with mats and pillows. It was eye-opening, the different features for rehab, compared to the stationary bicycles, treadmills, and weight machines at Kernan for adults and war veterans. So different. For young children, I could see why it would be attractive. We passed two sets of people who looked like parents. They looked haggard. I nodded, hello. I'm pretty sure they were not from this country, but spoke a different language. I could see why Kennedy Krieger would be appealing to them, too. But I could not imagine Archer Sempt there. Our guide walked back outside with us and back to the outpatient clinic where we had started. She swiped her card in the elevator, and we were whisked up to the third floor. It opened into a waiting area that was night and day from where we had just come. There were so many large windows, and we entered a state-of-the-art gymnasium. Not too many people were there, but the electric stationary bikes and weight machines and numerous large tables with mats and a treadmill with an interesting arm contraption all glimmered in the bright sun. It was all new, and on the brightly colored walls was painted Hope in Motion. We took another elevator to the sixth floor where there were two small pools with large lifts. They said it was water rehabilitation. My eyes flickered with excitement that maybe Archer would someday be in that water. Our guide said that this was their gym for people who have been out of recovery and come from home to rehabilitate. I thought if we could just get him home, maybe he'd have a chance to come here but the only option we had was the Kennedy Krieger inpatient pediatric floor. And they had said they would take Archer. Pete and I shook her hand and thanked her, but I knew we would not be coming to the Kennedy Krieger inpatient. How could we? But I wanted to create a connection because the outpatient rehab gym made me feel hopeful and gave me a goal 
Maybe we could get there. I glanced at my own Archer Strong wristband. I thought of Kathy Lobo, who had ordered all those bands. I remember doing it, but I can't remember how it started because obviously somebody told me about what was going to be written on them, but I, but I did order them. You ordered them, I mean, by the bagfuls, like, yeah, like we hundreds and thousands of them. Of them. Because we knew we needed, we would need a lot of them because of his, you know, because of Archer in our community, not only our school community, but also our Roland Park community and our church. You know, you have school, you have church, you have Roland Park, you have his friends, you know, the friends that he grew up with, the friends he was, you know, in high school. You know, there were so, there's so many people when you're a simp, there's so many different branches of people that you've touched in your lives that I just knew that it, it there had to be a lot of them. So we just went ahead and did it and we ordered, I just remember all these big boxes and boxes, but boy, they flew out of my, they flew out of those boxes like crazy when people found out we had them. Everybody it's, wanted them. It's amazing to me. And from, again, on the other side of it, when they were brought to us in the hospital, which I suspect was probably within a day or two because right. folks were just amazing. And look, I'm, I just realized as I put my hand up, I'm, yeah. I'm wearing it to this day. Yes. You know, the Pray for Archer, right. Arch, Archer Strong. Right. And that they were green. Right. Exactly. I thank kept you. getting people asking me to order more, so we just kept ordering them. So, um, you know, there was just so many people whose lives you guys have touched and who just wanted to be there to support you and Archer. And, um, you know, just that little band around their wrist made them feel like they were, you know, holding him close and sending him love and just hoping for the best. We were all hoping for the best. Help us, dear God. I was beginning to realize Archer may not be able to go to rehab in Baltimore. That even though our family and community ties were there, he might not be able to make the progress needed at the facilities there. I was starting to feel overwhelmed again. I reminded myself to feel gratitude. Okay, this reality was sobering, but I was thankful for the clarity. I was thankful for the web of support we had in Baltimore and other places, like the Archer Strong wristbands that adorned kid and adult wrists, the angels who had kept our yard and house beautiful and manicured, the family friends who offered to care for Dutch as he began soccer practice, the kids' schools and the school nurse and counselor. It was all essential, and I would find a place where Archer could feel the same as he began the hard process of rehabilitation. And I would find a place where I could be by his side 
to make sure he was cared for well. And I was grateful for a text message from a high school friend, Julie Sullivan, that said someone from the Dana and Christopher Reed Foundation was trying to reach me on prayers for Archer. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Thank you for tuning in to the Blink of an Eye story. You may continue listening this Saturday to the trauma healing learnings that accompany this story at Trauma Healing Learning, Establishing Ties. Thank you for listening and telling your friends. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. You can learn more at baltimoremediation.com.